Hi guys and welcome to another podcast with myself and Jeff and Sandy. We are missing Ian today, unfortunately he's not feeling very well so get better soon Ian. And today's topic is all about sleep, so how important it is and the effects of not having good sleep. So who would like to start us off on this topic? Well, since it's only 4 a.m. here, I probably am the worst person to start because you know how, how horrible sleep affects you and your brain functioning. I'll probably just babble and, and drool on myself and all kinds of things like that. <laughs> he says, having, what are you drinking there? Some caffeine? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> that, yeah, the, the caffeine, the, it really isn't much caffeine. It's just Coke Zero. Oh. So, you know, that nasty, horrible, poisonous oh. uh, diet stuff. But uh... well, maybe we should start off with um, why sleep is so important, what it what it does for us, maybe. That sounds like a good place yeah, to start. So, yeah, do you want me to go? Uh, like, I have I got do. Ian here to cut me I off. know, I'm going to cut you off today. Just, <laughs> you know, just somebody you else to do it. it out. <laughs> Yes, go ahead, Sam. Um, okay, so I, I guess sleep is, you could class it as, you know, a, a basic human need. We actually need it. Mm -hmm. um, a bit like eating and drinking and, and breathing, basically. Um, but I guess like, you know, those needs, sleep is a vital part of the foundation of of good health and also um, well-being throughout your lifetime um, and I guess sleep helps your brain work properly as well so while you're sleeping your brain is preparing for the next day and it's forming sort of like new pathways to help you learn and remember um, information um yeah so your immune system relies on sleep to basically stay healthy it's one of the things isn't it that a lot of people think that they can skip on and it doesn't affect them and i think people get into a yeah. a pattern of maybe you know that old-fashioned saying you know burning the candle at both ends so they're up late and they might be up early and think that it doesn't affect them. But I guess you just get used to living in that sort of state of not feeling actually rested and recovered. Yeah, and that's a good point. It's a little I, bit I, like a badge of honor, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that's a good Maybe. point about that because it's really easy for us to think that different things don't affect us. We can sort of live in this in this state of denial and, and sleep is one of those areas. I mean, I've, I've done it myself where I said, yeah, I really, I can get by perfectly fine with five or six hours of sleep. And just because I can function throughout different parts of the day, doesn't mean that my body is, is functioning optimally or that long-term that that's not going to be detrimental. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, well, I've just had to relook it up because I couldn't remember what the um, amounts were, but for, the average adult 18 to 60 years we need seven or more hours sleep per night mm -hmm. and if you are a teen so you know people always complain don't they about the teenagers like lying in and not getting out of bed well they need eight to ten hours so actually they're only doing what they're supposed to do they're just catching up on the sleep that their bodies actually need 
instead of the parents kind of going oh you're so lazy yeah. you know get out of bed they're actually doing doing the right thing they're sleeping but I guess yeah. being a teenager they probably go to bed later than they should so then they sleep in later than they should yeah <laughs> yeah that makes sense um and what about some of the um problems we we encounter if we don't sleep enough especially for fat loss I think that's one of the biggies isn't it yeah um I was actually looking at a couple of um studies um before um we came on to, to air and um one of the studies that they had done with some people who slept uh eight and a half hours compared to five and a half hours um it showed the ones that had less sleep um lost more weight from fat-free mass and very little from actual fat. Um, and what happens with um, sleep deprivation is it can decrease uh, leptin and leptin decreases your appetite. So it decreases more with sleep deprivation and raises ghrelin, which is... Um, which increases your appetite and so it can encourage um, greater food consumption in in some people and this can be due to an uh, increase in appetite as well as simply um, having more awake time um, which increases the opportunity to to eat um, and then there was uh, another study on uh, sleep deprivation and the effect on uh, food intake and you can um, the people that have eight hours sleep their intake is less and their activity is more and the group who then the group that had four hours sleep so you know it is something that you really need to focus on um, is getting sufficient um, amounts of sleep yeah, definitely. I think that's the thing. And I think it's probably an, a not thought of like vital part of a, a fat loss phase, isn't it? Is getting the sleep in because people kind of don't even put that on their radar. But, you know, we know that if you are sleep deprived, you're going to make poorer food choices because you're tired and you want some quick energy. And the thing we normally go for is high fat, high sugar, high tasting foods that give us that boost of quick energy and I don't think people even really think about it they might just go oh, I'm tired and then you can't be bothered because you're tired so you think oh it's too much effort to cook a meal it's you know let's just grab snacks and that's the whole knock-on effect that it has and I think you rightly said you know that's something that we need to be prioritizing when we're in you know trying to lose weight especially and you know not just for weight loss for performance as well you know nobody's going to perform well if they're sleep deprived or you know running on empty so it's across the board really isn't it yeah yeah it really is and and even if you're not trying to lose weight if you are you know bringing in the kind of the intuitive eating perspective on that the the sleep helps you to recognize your hunger your fullness your satisfaction um and what your body really needs much more easily when when things are working right. So when your hormones are working right, when you have adequate sleep and you're not 
and that, um, you know, as, as Sandy was pointing out, the decrease in leptin, the satiety hormone, and increase in ghrelin, the hunger hormone, when those things are not in alignment with what your body actually needs, then that throws off your whole ability to, to eat intuitively um, and, and take in that food intake according to what your body really needs. And so if those signals are, are distorted, then it makes it more difficult to identify those things. And then, um, you know, it just, it has that, that other effect also on, on your food choices and what, what you, what you end up giving your body. It, then it has a downstream effect on emotions and those kinds of things, because, you know, a lot of us have been caught up in, in kind of the, the, uh, guilt and shame aspect. A lot of people struggle with that. And so if you are not making the food choices that you, that, that are aligned with what you value and, and what you think is best for you. And you find it really difficult to do that. Even it's like, you want to do this, but then, um, but then you find that you're, you're making these other choices that can be very demotivating and, and difficult to deal with those other things. And then we also know that lack of sleep impacts our mental state, our mood, all of those things, which again, play a huge role in our food choices and how we actually eat. So it's just, yeah, just a big effect for, uh, in, in so many different ways, regardless of what goals you have for yourself and what approach you're using for yourself too. Absolutely. And this is quite a big one for women, especially, um, approaching and around and during menopause, because they, you know, one of the biggest symptoms of, of, going into menopause is lack of sleep you know people might have hot flushes it might affect their sleep and just sleep seems to be the biggest thing that people struggle with and then people blame the menopause for that well yeah the menopause has brought those symptoms but it's the effect of the lack of sleep that actually mm -hmm. causes the problem because people will say oh you know I've put weight you know I've put on weight it's all down to the menopause but it's actually probably because you've not slept well and then you've just done all the things that you've just said you know they're not moving as much they're not exercising they're choosing wrong sort of foods and just you know let that will affect you overall so it really does have a massive effect on a lot of people so maybe we can talk about some ways that we can try and improve our sleep yeah that's a good uh, a good point so there's a lot of talk in screens and like you're using screen time and everything before sleep and you can put um actually I, I haven't actually done that I'm not usually that bad at going on my screen before I go to bed but uh, either of you know a lot about the blue screen technology and the glasses that you can use and all that yeah I don't know a lot about yeah, it um I do have that on, my, on these glasses my my reading glasses which I have to basically wear all day in front of a computer um, because I can't see letters and, uh, and so, um, but yeah, I got that on, on my glasses. I don't know if it's made any difference or not since I had that put on, on here. Um, and I, I have to say I'm horrible with the whole blue light thing before bed. I mean, we, we typically have, uh, the TV on right before we head to bed, but I, I fall asleep at the drop of a hat so um <laughs> you're so lucky yeah <laughs> what were you we gonna say, Sandy? yeah um i was just gonna say that 
But um, I think the biggest uh, issue with some people, um, I wanted to say something about, about um, menopause as well, but I'll, I'll say that later. <laughs> um, but people who do shift work, um, they're the ones that um, are going to struggle the most um, with sleep because it's so disturbed. It's not sort of aligning with your um, internal body clock because if your body, you know, wakes up with um, like it releases uh, cortisol to wake you up in the morning when the sun rises. So it, it, it connects with your brain to know when it's time to go to sleep. And when you have that disrupt, disruption of especially someone who does shift work at nighttime, um, you know, that's when your body is supposed to be sleeping and you're awake. So um, when you were talking about the blue blocking glasses, that's one of the things that um, I have read um, that is a very good tactic to use, especially if you are a shift worker who shifts works shifts at night, is to try and wear blue blocking glasses, particularly if you're looking at a, a computer screen um, a lot of the time. Um, and also just wearing them um, on your way home and then... You know, so you're sort of trying to ready your body for sleep when you get home and then try and darken your room as much as possible so that you can sort of try and manipulate it to your body to think that it is readying itself to go to sleep um, when it's not really the time that it would normally, you know, go to sleep. Yeah, good points. And um, I mean, that's one of the things, isn't it, with sleep, a sleep hygiene routine, you know, that they say is to stay away from it kind of overexciting your brain, isn't it? And I think that's the thing. It's like looking at things that stimulate. I, I'm definitely like that. If I've been to, I don't know, out to a pub quiz or something like that, and I've used my brain, then it takes me ages to come down from that afterwards you know like normally you know an evening is sort of like you know relaxing in front of the tv or something and that I'm used to and that does relax me and I'll go to sleep quite easily but if I've been out and about and I'm or I've been with friends and you're talking and having discussions and what have you then yeah I can't just come in and go to sleep I have to have that wind down time so mm -hmm. luckily I don't do that very often <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, that's a good I've point about having a. That, um... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, um, now I've even forgotten what I was going to say. I'm filling oh, in no, for you today and cutting Sandy um, off. I was just going. <laughs> yeah, it's that bloody delay. Um, so. <laughs> What I was going to say was um, I have also read there's a, a couple of conflicting things, but people who uh, can't go to sleep uh, during the night, one of the things I saw was that um, to, you know, go and read a book and trying to wind yourself down with a, a, a just a nightlight. But then I have read somewhere else that that's not really the best thing to do because it's teaching your body to stay awake and, you know, to do that, to get up and read a book 
whereas you should just try and still um, get yourself in bed because that's where you should be when you're going to sleep. That was just something that I'd seen and it just wanted is, to say. Yeah, there probably is quite a lot of it conflicting information about that because I've heard things like that too. It's like remove yourself from the situation. So if you can't sleep, take yourself away from the bedroom and go and do something else. I, I, I don't suppose they mean, you know, like go and do a workout or something that's really going to wake you up, but take yourself from the bedroom and then take yourself back in when you're when you're tired. I think the one thing that probably is quite good advice that I've heard is that if you have things on your mind and they're going over and over and over, or if you are, you know, thinking of things that you've got to do, then actually getting up and writing those down so that you've got them out of your mind that can clear your mind and then you can go back to sleep um so oh, I think yeah. that's probably not a bad shout but I kind of get the point you've made because you know beds beds but then they're saying you know don't do things don't do things in the bedroom that aren't sleeping things so I expect there's a few exceptions there but, <laughs> you know <laughs> but you know in general you know like they, they, they say don't watch tv in bed don't they and don't you know like eat your dinner in bed and all those sorts of things so that's probably not a bad shout for one you'd have to change the sheets more often yeah <laughs> yeah well and i think it's important too that people, <laughs> that people realize uh that there's different different things for each individual just like with each individual client, we that's why we take very individualized approaches. We we talk to them, we listen to them, we strategize with them, and help them come up with with different ways of addressing different issues that they struggle with. And I think sleep can definitely be one of those things too, because there are so many factors that come into play. So you have people who have issues with where melatonin is a a helpful um, supplement to use with that, based on specifically what it is that they struggle with. Um, so it's not just, oh, if you can't sleep, pop melatonin, like people on the internet tell everybody. It's like with these blind kind of recommendations without really understanding how that, um, how to actually use that. Um, but other things like it, finding out if you have sleep apnea and uh, because the, that's a that's something that we know is, it, it can be associated with higher weights and so, if if you are in a larger body that that may be something that that worth looking into of course it's not isolated even to bigger people because um i have sleep apnea and and i'm not i i don't have a particularly big body and so um and i snore horribly um which in fact is a good reminder that I need to go get my sleep evaluated again and get back <laughs> on a CPAP machine because I did use one in the past. Um, but they can, it can be really helpful. And so those are other things that are important to look at too with sleep is, you know, this whole idea of diet and exercise and taking care of your body and, and doing health promoting behaviors and all of these different things that, that are so talked about. But often it, we we need to go beyond those things and find other ways of taking care of our body, uh, whether that's through supplementation, um, psycho psychological help if if that's something that's called for, um, sleep apnea, you know, getting some kind of 
help and with that and that stuff's so much more affordable now than it used to be i mean you can at least here in the u.s you can get evaluated over the internet and get a device for under a thousand dollars and you know um i don't know if the nhs covers that stuff in, entirely or not but um but it's actually becoming so. much more accessible to people yeah that's really good i don't i don't think here it's quite as easy as that i think there's quite a lot of private sleep clinics and like most mm -hmm. things you know when you've got something private you pay more for it but yeah. I guess you know it's one of those things isn't it if you really want to prioritize your health then you know maybe it's it's the right thing to do um but I think you know I mean the main kind of thing for sleep is is not to, to provide too much stimulation isn't it before you go to bed so mm -hmm. all the sort of um research out there seems to show that you know you might have a bath but not a hot bath and not a cold bath like a tepid kind of warm bath so that's not overstimulating you maybe read or listen to some music um avoid the screens don't do like exercise late at night you know that's going to stop you sleeping caffeine we haven't talked about caffeine's mm -hmm. a, a biggie for sleep um some people and i still don't know how they do it can drink a coffee before they go to bed and go to sleep for me i can't even have a caffeinated tea and sleep so i'm definitely caffeine sensitive but um caffeine is something that you know if you are trouble having trouble sleeping and you drink a lot of caffeine would be something to to cut down on or have only you know in the mornings or something like that mm -hmm. um and the other thing i think what the research that i've read is that people sort of recommend that you go to bed and get up at the same time every day so avoiding like long lions at weekends and and then getting up for work earlier in the week you know to try and stick to a an established bedtime routine and a morning routine um yeah. which probably is pretty good advice for most people yeah well i think the caffeine one is is really uh really important too and and from the from the perspective of how the body responds to it the half-life of caffeine is about six hours and so what that means is if you if you drink 100 uh, milligrams of caffeine six hours later there's still 50 milligrams or so that is active inside your body and so uh, you know think in terms of even a higher amount if you have several cups of coffee and it's later in the afternoon six hours later only half of that caffeine is gone and so you still may have some um some remnants of that in your body impacting your level of of uh alertness and that kind of thing now me personally i can i can drink uh, caffeine right before bed and it's not an issue but um but i know a lot of people struggle with that and again it's it's that very individual approach if if caffeine is something that uh, impacts you then you may want to keep that in mind that specific you know understanding just how long it really does stay in the body and and remain effective absolutely i think another good one to touch on there as well is alcohol because mm -hmm. a lot of people say oh you know yeah i i go flat out when i've had a couple of drinks and that is often the way that you have some drinks and it will kind of knock you out but that's only usually temporary and then mm -hmm. it affects your the quality of your sleep for the rest of the night so why you might get that initial you know oh yeah i'm, I'm soundo within you know an hour or so you know that delayed kind of um, effect of alcohol will have you, give you a poor night's sleep overall and it will obviously make you feel pretty rubbish in the morning so yeah caffeine and alcohol are quite <laughs> big things, aren't they
Yeah, it acts sort of more like a sedative um, more than anything. Um, and, you know, even though your eyes um, might be closed, it doesn't mean that you've slept and your body is restored. That's not um, how it works. It actually, alcohol interferes with um, your normal sleep process and blocks out the um, REM sleep, mm -hmm. which is your uh, rapid eye movement. Um, and that's the stage of sleep that you really do need. So, yeah, alcohol, you know, isn't what it's cracked up to be. A lot of people think that it's, you know, helping them sleep, but it actually doesn't. I mean, you like you said, you wake up like rubbish mm. yeah. <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. And it all can, also can um, mask uh, symptoms of um anxiety and depression as well with yeah, alcohol absolutely and what about supplements for sleep um i know magnesium is one that is pretty common that people take and will be in some um zma is often um like a combination for sleep i mean personally i found that magnesium has actually improved my sleep um that was something that i sort of struggled with getting off to sleep and and having a restful night's sleep and since I've been taking magnesium it has definitely helped whether there's a bit of placebo there or not I don't know there could be but I definitely find if I haven't taken it I don't sleep so well so um do any of you guys take anything or know much about supplements for sleep yeah I don't take anything uh myself um I did when I went to the when I went to the UK a couple of years ago I tried because I knew I, well, I flew overnight and I wanted to try and get my sleep onto that time as fast as I could so that I can enjoy the conference and hanging out with uh, you guys, <laughs> Ian and uh, Ian and Sarah and some other people there that, that got to meet. And I don't know if it, if it worked, well, whatever I did, it, it seemed to work well. And um, I, I played around with melatonin and so what I did was I took it and, you know, I, I kept myself awake uh, so that I could try and get on to, to, to where I was actually ready to go to bed at bedtime in the UK, which was actually six hours um, earlier than what I would normally go to bed. And I took my melatonin at a certain time. I'd read some stuff about that and did that. And, and it actually did work. I, I ended up going to bed at what would have been the middle of the afternoon at home and was able to sleep, get up and, and got right on that schedule. And so I know that's one of, one of the ways that you can supplement. Um, there is some, uh, some research in that area for kind of mitigating jet lag and those kinds of things. So that may be something to look further into. I know Danny Lennon and the Sigma Nutrition Podcast, he's done some stuff in that area and had some actual experts on there in, specifically in that area. And, um, and those are some tips that they, that they use for people that struggle with jet lag. But, um, but yeah, melatonin is a popular supplement in that area. But again, it's, it's really important that you go, go look it up on that Sigma Nutrition podcast, if you're really interested, he's got some good good information on what when melatonin is appropriate and what it's not, because it's not something that just makes you sleep better. 
Um, it, it can be detrimental, actually, if you just blindly supplement just big doses of it, which I think in the UK, isn't it? Um, it you can't buy it over the counter, can you? No, you can't. You can order it online, um, mm -hmm. but it's more about regulating your sleep pattern, isn't it? As yeah. opposed to making you sleep as such. So Yeah. Um, and here they have it. It's in Walmart in gummy form. And, yeah. and, and the interesting thing is, is that it's in just random... <laughs> random amounts that people have no idea they just think oh melatonin that makes you sleep i'll just buy that and pop a couple gummies and yeah. um and, and it's it is one that you need to be a bit more thoughtful of and and use it in the way that is appropriate just like well really with any supplement you really shouldn't be supplementing unless you need that particular supplement yeah yeah not benign I think people, you know, make it too easy for themselves. Like they, if they can't sleep, they think, oh, I'll just take a, a pill, <laughs> you know, and keep, and then they can, you know, be taking it all the time instead of looking at, you know, what factors might be affecting their sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, are they, I am a real big believer in exercise being, you know, a part of your health and and daily you know exercise to do because i think that is one important factor to help you sleep mm -hmm. you know you're moving more i mean look at you guys like jeff maybe not so much jeff because you you work in a job where you're on the computer all the time but um someone say like my husband and my son you know they're you know, in physical jobs where they're doing carpentry work so that they're physical all day. And so, you know, they come home and they sit on the couch and they're out like a light yeah. as soon as they sit down. So it just goes to show that, you know, the more active you are, you know, the easier it is for you to fall asleep. And, you know, people often will, you know, not do anything and sit around all day and then when they do go to go to sleep and can't go to sleep they wonder why they can't and it's I would say it's because they're not being active enough so yeah I definitely think that exercise plays a huge part in um, helping you sleep and it sort of comes back to um when you were talking before about menopause, um, I meant to say, I think exercise is really helpful for that as well, because um, even when I went through uh, menopause, there were times when I uh, didn't sleep that well. I had it in like um, in blocks of like three nights where I would just be awake a lot of the time during the night. Um, but I think exercise really helped me to get me back to sleep. Yeah. Um, I just found doing that was really, really helpful and not just any exercise, but particularly resistance training, you know, with training with some intensity um, really helped for me. Yeah, really good points. I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, people are always looking for that quick fix. So, you know, they, they go, oh, I'm not sleeping well. Um, let's go to the doctor and ask for sleeping pills or let's see what we can get. But 
like you say you know have a tick list of things that you can actually change in your lifestyle first you know are you getting the exercise are you getting some fresh air you know going out for a walk even if you're not going to the gym or something are you going out and getting some fresh air and having a walk you know are you drinking too much caffeine are you drinking too much alcohol have you got some nutrition in your diet you know are you spending all your time on a tv a laptop or a phone you know if you can kind of look at those elements first and maybe address that then there's probably not going to be a not a lot of need and also stress you know stress and things like that in your life you know if you are extremely stressed then trying to find some ways to manage that you know there's always going to be some you know some things that go on in life that you just can't manage you know sort of events or all sorts of things that you know might cause you major stress and that's a very hopefully a very temporary um phase but in general if you can look at all those areas of your lifestyle then that should hopefully go a long way into actually improving your sleep yeah and i think you know what's great with all of those different things that, that both of you have mentioned is that those are things that they help improve sleep but they also help improve other aspects of our health too. So just moving our bodies more is greatly beneficial to just overall health and well-being, not just sleep. And so it just all of these different things have kind of downstream effects on on our body and our overall health and well-being, whether it's physical, um, even psychological and, and emotional. Uh, we know that that's, there's a number of studies and we, we see this, I think, it, just with clients practically speaking too is that um, all of these things have an impact on mental health things like depressive symptoms there's some studies that have looked at the association between exercise and reductions in depressive symptoms and all kinds of different things like that and of course when you know, mental health plays a role in sleep quality too and so if what we're doing is benefiting our sleep and also benefiting our mental health and in other areas of our health as well, physically and, and that kind of thing. And, and, they, and then they're all, which then benefits our sleep, which helps us to sleep better, which then helps us to yeah. uh, you know, improve other areas of health. All of these different things can be uh, tied back to just some basic uh, health-seeking, health-promoting kinds of behaviors, whether it's how we're eating, how we're moving, all of those different things. Absolutely. I think that's probably a good um, end point there for our chat on sleep. Has anyone got anything else they would like to add to that? Yeah, there was. there's one thing that I've just thought of that we haven't mentioned is one of the things that um, has been shown to help with sleep is carbohydrates. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's relatively high in um, the amino acid um, tryptophan, mm -hmm. which can impact serotonin. So it gives you that feeling of sleepiness and tiredness. So having a larger sort of meal of um, having the bulk of your carbohydrates in your evening meal can probably help you to potentially help you sleep. Yeah, and that goes against uh, a lot of the, the common fitness advice now, which is eat your carbs around your workout in the morning, eat your carbs early in the day. And it's like, you know what, that's actually backfiring in, in, in many cases. 
I was just thinking of all these like carb like zealots out there just like dying in their seats right now going carbs before bed oh my god (laughs) yeah yeah that's what I do carbs I carbs are usually the last thing that I have before going to bed um yeah, good point. Uh, I found really, really helpful. Um, I have um, pasta uh, for one of our meals during the week, and I always find that I can train really well the next morning when I'm back because I've had the bulk of my carbohydrates, and it is after six pm too yeah. <laughs> when I have it. So, yeah, it's really helpful for me, at yep. least. Eat your carbs, people. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, as always, if you would like to share um, our podcast, please leave a review um, and let us know if you have any questions. We have our Facebook group. Um, You can reach out to any of us if you have anything you would like to ask us individually. Um, And thank you for listening. Thank you. Take care.